Johnny, instead of getting on horses and jousting each other to death to settle our differences and all of our different opinions on movies and beers, can we just go get a beer? Yeah, we should definitely just get a beer and a burger and just talk it out like adults in the year 2021. Then, sir, I humbly invite you to one of my favorite places right here in Chico called The Handlebar. I'm actually pretty sure you know about this place. Could you please tell everybody that doesn't about their happy hour? I am in the know, as are you. Our faces are on the wall there. It's pretty wild. <laughs> They've got a great happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get some money off of everything alcoholic, including their wonderful selection of draft beer, mm. which includes 28 different beers on draft at any given time. Uh, you're going to get money off bottles of wine, all kinds of fun stuff. They've got a great food menu and a dog-friendly patio, so check them out. 2070 East 20th Street, The Handlebar. On guard. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. Hello, I am Johan von Summers. <laughs> this week on the show, we have our review of The Last Duel. It's the latest from director Ridley Scott retelling the mostly true story of the quote-unquote last trial by combat in medieval France way back in 1386. And in keeping with our medieval theme of today, we're featuring beers from a brand new to us brewery from Oceanside, California called Black Plague. The first is a lager called Acid Drop, and the second is a hazy IPA called Nija. Yeah, if you find yourself listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, A, thanks for tuning in. But unfortunately, you're only going to hear our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of The Last Duel. But do not despair. You can find full conversations plus all of our other episodes, that's over 200, mm. going way back to 2016 at any of the following locations. Yeah, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere podcasts basically exist, you will find us. We drop new episodes every Friday morning, 7 a.m. If you like our show, do feel free to leave us a five-star rating or a review. It helps other people who haven't heard our lovely voices hear them for the very first time. Follow us on social media. Uh, the picturey one for pictures, that's Instagram. Letterboxed for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews. You can find us in all those spots at Fresh Hop Cinema or our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, though, you can just send us, you know, in a little more personal way, you can send us an email. You can do that at fhccast at gmail.com. We love, 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 love getting emails. We read all of them. Uh, every single one that we get, we read them. And every now and again, you might get a shout out on the show if it's pertinent to our discussion. Shout out to our new patron and our old patron. That's right. We have two people to shout out this week. Jason, our brand new patron who just signed up. Welcome to the fold. Thank you for joining our Patreon army. And also shout out to an old patron who just remembered that she actually does, in fact, love her brother. Bailey, what's up? Welcome <laughs> hey, back. Hey, baby. Hey, all right. What's Patreon, you ask, like Maxwell? That is a place where you can go to help us fund this show. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's where content creators can go and provide like bonus content. Like for us, we do all kinds of stuff like beer reviews. We do movie making series. There's yeah. all kinds of different series that we've done on there. We also do events. Patrons get first shot at runs of merch and all the fun events that we do that are in Patreon. So 
if you want to get involved in that and if you wanted to hear our newest, which was a review of a beer called Cool Cool from Moonraker, mm. you should head over to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema and join. It's as little as a dollar a week, but more is cool. Uh, or just, you know, don't. We'll still love you either way. That's but true. Be a, be a lot cool, cool. Cooler if you did. Hey, uh, you know what? I've so we've actually just we've uploaded our our fourth installment of our making movies one hundred and one series, which is a, a series where we sort of demystify the jobs of the people whose names seemingly endlessly roll after a movie. And I was just looking at the I put I compiled them all together. Like if you're only interested in hearing that, you can go to Patreon and just search the hashtag Making Movies, and you'll find our episode on producers, our episode on cinematographers, our episode on the key grip, and and most recently our episode on casting directors. Which, if I do say so myself, was a pretty good one. It was, man. They're always really fun, and I learn a lot because I'm a big, dumb idiot, and you teach me a lot because you're a smart guy with your computers and your words. Yeah, I'm so. good at Googling stuff, in other words. Yeah, yeah. I, you might not be smarter than me. You're just yeah. not as lazy. I have more so. free time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyways, that's a fun series. You should definitely check it out. So join Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash Cinema. All right, Johnny Summers, per our traditions, you picked up beer this week, so I'd like you to tell me where it is going to be from. You mentioned at the top of the show they're both from the same brewery, but uh, maybe you could tell me more about Black Plague uh, out of Oceanside. Maybe like their mission statement if you have it handy. Yeah, Black Plague Brewing, Oceanside, California. Their mission statement reads, Black Plague Brewing. Sorry, there was some capitalization that threw me off. Black Plague Brewing (laughs) represents the misfits, renegades, underdogs, rebels, rule breakers, nonconformists, hustlers, DIYers, and all those who strive to be better, stand out from the crowd, and follow their true passion. Our mission is to provide deliciously fresh, handcrafted beer that embodies a community around collaboration and inspiring creative self-expression, reminding us that death is certain, so we must live life to the fullest. Yeah, I'm going to double back and say that it also emboldens a community, though I like embodies. I think I might have either typed that right or wrong. It's unclear. But in doing a little bit more research on Black Plague, uh, they have this to say about their history. Determined to find a way or make one, The idea of Black Plague was founded to create a community, relationships, and great beer. Black Plague began as an abstract idea about bringing people together over delicious beer, but it quickly became more than that. Their doors opened in June of 2017 and have since won multiple awards. We're not going to spend too much time, at least at this point in the show, talking about those awards because I am eager to get to our first beer, which is named Acid Drop. It's 4%. It's a lager. It's got 23 IBUs. Johnny, what do they say about it on their website? From their website, we read... Gushing with freshly squeezed citrus aromas, this light lager is brewed with lemons for a remarkably easy-drinking, lemonade-tasting beer. You'll be refreshed by the smooth combination of Mandarin Bavaria and Southern Cross hops, mixed with the extra-pale premium Pilsner malts for a lightly toasted malt backbone that is simply amazing. You'll want to sip on this ale all summer. Have you tried it yet? I have not. I just poured it while I was reading that. So okay. I'm, a, I'm a genius and wizard. <laughs> so um, we, oh yeah, we're speaking of wizards. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, I've just had my first sip, and it's very, very lemony. So much so that I thought of a shandy beer, which is not a term that I even knew I had bouncing around in my brain. Um, and we can maybe talk about shandies in a little bit here. But um, my first impression of this is that it's pretty tasty, especially, granted, we're in late October here. So maybe we're a couple months late to this party, but it's still very tasty to me. Oh, wow. That is like super refreshing, very like lemon bar, like not bitter, like tart lemon, just like a sweet round lemon flavor. That's, huh, okay. 
Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, it surprised me a bit. This is, I was expecting, you know, sometimes like, especially with lighter lagers, um, they'll say that they have these adjuncts and flavors and it's really sort of an undertone and you still sort of get the malt presence that you expect from like a, yeah, like a light lager. And this is very much lemon forward. Yeah, super lemon forward. I like this beer quite a bit. It's definitely got that crispy, biscuity undertone, but super drinkable, very smooth. Light, crisp, tastes fresh. Went out on a big limb because their branding and the the overall vibe of this brewery was so cool. Uh, I bought beers that didn't have a date on them, but I was assured by Danya at Spike's Bottle Shop that they'd only been in the store for like a week and that they came in super fresh. That's what the salesman told her. So uh, judging on this, there's like no skunk on this beer and lagers Mm. fall off fairly quick. So, I mean, if you have a lager that's over like two months old, you can tell first sip. Safe to say this is well inside the reasonable range of consumption. So I'm glad I went out on that limb because, I mean, the uh, you asked me, hey, did you get these on purpose to go with this movie? And nope, you said, did. yes, of course I did. I'm I'm full of forethought and planning. No, nah, total accident. I don't <laughs> think about anything other than what beer I want to drink this sure, week. Sure, sure. Um, let's talk a little bit. I we mentioned this beer is called Acid Drop. If you don't know, it's a that's a skateboarding trick. It's like where, if I'm not mistaken, a dude will be skating or or a dudette will be skating, and then they'll kick the board kind of off the floor, front end up, grab it, jump in the air, flip the board 180 degrees, and land back on it. That's what an acid drop is. So I think we should probably talk about the can art here, because you know, in fact, this does seem more your bag. Maybe you can tell me about both sides of the can, starting with the more colorful one. Yeah, so you've got like a super psychedelic kind of intergalactic wizard type character on a skateboard uh, that looks like he's on a quarter pipe in the middle of a skate park Yeah, where, you know, you've got stars in the background. It looks very airbrushed, kind of like very retro 70s, 80s. Like you could maybe have seen this on the side of a van, Mm -hmm. that type of vibe, but really cool, vibrant colors. It goes all the way from, you know dark oranges and reds and blacks all the way into these really cool neon like translucent blue green wizard robes and he's cracking a big old tall can of beer really cool can do you have uh any idea who did that design uh yeah actually we have the artist we can give them some credit the can art was done by connor getzloff oh sweet all right i don't know connor but maybe i think he's a local guy down in oceanside that's I believe he is local from Southern California, yeah. Okay, and that's on one side of the can, yeah? Mm-hmm. What's the other side? The other side is Black Plague Black Plague Brewing's uh, logo. I think this might be on all their cans. At the very least, it's on this can, and it is a really cool-looking, like, plague doctor uh, on top of a chrome shield type situation. It's it's like if, the opposite of, of the other side. Like you, I thought, cause I saw these advertised online, like on, untapped and people would put different photos of like, you know, they might put one side or the other. I was like, did they make two versions of this? And, and sure enough, no, that is just the other side, which is a, a very different vibe, but they talk about this on their website too. And they say the dark ages were a time of upheaval marked by the death of culture, science, and the arts. In fact, much of the world's written history and greatest advancements were lost after the fall of the Roman empire. Without the knowledge and technology to fight death and disease, society began to crumble under the chaos of a global pandemic. Oh boy. It would be centuries before a hero would emerge to help rebuild what was lost. The plague doctor arose as a means to combat the struggle for survival and give hope to communities that life could be better. At Black Plague Brewing, we believe that the plague doctor represents a sign of new hope and community. So very much in line with uh, their mission statement and and everything else I've read about them uh, today. Yeah, and I like the collaborative nature 
uh, between this brewery and just the skateboarding culture in general. Yeah. Because our second beer is actually named after a professional skateboarder. I believe that their one of their beers is a birdhouse. I can't remember the style, but it's definitely yeah. like a, a Tony Hawk beer, essentially. So, yeah, really dig the the skater vibes. I definitely would have liked this when I was still skating, but I think it's really cool now. I love the art. Very stoner metal. Yeah, that could be a record cover of a band that I listened to like after yep. this show. Yep. hundred uh, percent. All right. Well, so, then let's get back to uh, to the beer itself here. I've had a few sips at this point. I assume you've done the same. Uh, mm-hmm. Still just getting a ton of lemon up front. It's very fresh and crisp. I'm digging a lot of the notes I'm getting. There's not too much I've found that I dislike yet, but what about you? Uh, no, this is definitely a top tier, like really flavorful lager. It reminds me of kind of what I do to sometimes like lower brow beer. Like I'll take a whatever XYZ light beer in a can, throw some lime juice or lemon juice in it, maybe a dash of salt just to zhuzh it up a little bit, like, and give it some spirit and not just have it be plain. And I feel like they've really done what I would do to a beer and just canned it that way. Mm -hmm. So I dig it. I think this would be great for a summer day floating down the river or hanging out in the yard or just partying, barbecuing, whatever. Um, And just beer-wise, not much wrong with it, man. I like the lemon. It's not too much. I think it fits really well into the lager profile. I think they did a really good job with the lemon. Any more, and it would have felt too heavy-handed. But I think it's very appropriate in this beer. Yeah, I was doing a quick little Google search here. um, And just to look for the distinction between what I said, uh, Shandy, and a Rattler, because I think I was conflating the two. But I might have been on point. Traditionally, a shandy is a 50-50 mix of a light beer and, and maybe lemonade, whereas mm-hmm. a Rattler is, is often beers that can be made with certainly lemons, but also limes or grapefruits or I think technically any fruit. But this is yeah. right in line with, in addition to what you're saying, because this does taste a bit like a, a lager that you've just added some fresh lemon juice to, which is a delicious way of enjoying sometimes a beer that's not great that can make it even better. But I bet in this case, a pretty good beer that's already just made better by the lemon. Right. Uh, but are you a fan of, of I, I don't know, at least Radler beers? I mean, a lot of the Radlers and Shandies that I've had have, like, Line and Kugel's Summer Shandy comes to mind. Yeah. Which is very sweet. I think yeah. that there is a fine line to be walked between going into the too sweet and the too artificial tasting. So for the most part, I haven't been a big fan. There's been some that marry light beer and fruit well. Um, Jam Band, for example, from Boulevard is one that I've really liked over the years that does that. And I don't think that was a lager. I remember that just being yeah. very ale. Yeah. But it still had that nice nice balance and a great marriage. Uh, but the mass-produced, the Shandies, the quote-unquote Shandies, and what was the other one? Uh, Rattlers yeah, that Rattlers. I've had. I mean, I've had some really good like lemon Rattlers. Mm-hmm. I think a Rattler is better than a Shandy because the Shandy, they could go too heavy on the, the, the sugary lemonade. Sure, sure. But yeah, I would say if between the two, Rattler and then there's some good Rattlers out there. Dude, there's uh, one. The one that comes to mind for me is the the Stiegel Rattler, the, the, the German brewery. They do a, it's a grapefruit Rattler. Yes. It's like, and it's just so crisp and refreshing. And I think obviously a little bit more widely distributed than, than the beer we're drinking today, but 
this is right up there with the same amount of freshness and drinkability and deliciousness and redrinkability, I think, as the Stiegel Rattler is. No, I agree. I was trying to think of that beer. I was like, it's got a guy on a bike on it or a unicycle or something on, sure. the, on the can, right? I, the one that I'm it looking at doesn't, but, but I could have sworn I just saw something that had that. So maybe I can find it for you. Maybe not. But Stiegel was definitely the one I was thinking yeah. of. There's some really good Rattlers out there. I would lean towards that over a Shandy. Um, this beer, if it's around next summer, I will be leaning towards buying six packs of and bringing it home. It's really good. And you, it is, I don't think we said this on the air, but you did purchase this as a six pack, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, pretty affordable. It was, it was right in line with, uh, pretty much all the other craft beer six packs. Sweet. Okay. Well, let's give, if you're ready for it, let's give acid drop a rating out of 10 and then we can move right along for now and revisit them later in the show. This feels like a seven, nine. Yeah, all right. I'm going to round it up to an eight. I think this is, I mean, like a wonderful, just a wonderful, refreshing, light beer. I, I almost, and, and I don't know the brewery or the brewing distinctions here to call this a Rattler or a Shandy, but I think that's what it should be called as, as opposed to a light lager. Yeah, a lager with lemons. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to get lumped into a category that has preconceived negative connotations. <laughs> Fair enough. You got anything else in this beer for now? Uh, great introduction to the brewery. So super stoked on this beer. Can't wait to try the second one. Yeah, it is available. Like Johnny said here in Chico at spikes and probably other reputable bottle shops. If you're not in Chico, you can always go to shop.blackplaguebrewing.com and get it shipped directly to your house. But once again, you are listening to fresh hop cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you do get a chance to try this beer, we want to know what you think. So reach out. If you do post, uh, if you do get it, post about it on your social media, tag us, we'll share it. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll all get to know each other on the World Wide web. That's right. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com or find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. In the meantime, you're going to hear a trailer for our movie of the week, The Last Duel. Fair warning, there's no spoilers. So I guess no fair, fair warning. warning <laughs> no, fair warning for no warning needed. Anyways, here's a trailer. There is only one question that matters. Do you swear on your life that what you say is true? My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. and then was judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. A most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Jacques Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I am innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. You do not believe me. 
I am risking my life for you. You are risking my life so you can save your pride. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It will be available tomorrow morning, Friday at 7 a.m. What you just heard was a trailer for Ridley Scott's latest a film called The Last Duel. It stars Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer with screenplay by Nicole Holofcener, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. The whole thing was adapted from the 2004 book by Eric Yeager. Again, we won't be spoiling this until later in the show, so for now, we're going to go to Max for a synopsis. Okay, so bear with me on some of these names. <clears throat> Jean de Carouge, which is Matt Damon's character, is a respected knight known for his bravery and his skill on the battlefield. But Jacques Larie is played by Adam Driver here. He's a squire whose intelligence and eloquence make him one of the most admired nobles in court. But after an accusation of rape by Marguerite de Carouge against Larie, Jean de Carouge challenges Larie to a duel to the death in order to prove the wrong done to his wife, with God guiding his hand to reveal the truth. Now, some of that was borrowed from an IMDb synopsis, but I felt that it didn't do a good job setting up this movie. So what I wanted to write in that final bit was that he challenges him to a duel to the death to to prove the wrong done to him. It's it's a really big distinction here. We got to talk about duels and the history of duels a little bit and, and the fact that this actually wasn't the last duel in France, by the way. It happened like 200 years later, and we can get to that if we have time. But it's important to note that he's not really dueling to save his wife's honor. He's pissed because another guy raped basically his property and his name is now being dragged through the mud. I think that's a really important thing. And this was at a time in France where everybody was like, you know what? Let God decide. Um, I think that's an important thing to set up for our discussion of this movie. Also, the fact that this film is told in three chapters, basically. It opens with the duel and then almost immediately as the action begins, cuts away and we are given this story through the eyes of our three main characters, which I think is a really interesting conceit. So I think that's kind of how I wanted to start off the conversation, dude. Um, namely just by boiling it down to did that approach to telling the story work for you? Yeah, uh, it did. It threw me in the first chapter and then mm. made a lot more sense in the, the second chapter and then in the third chapter and then the duel it uh, it really came to fruition. I think it was uh, an interesting storytelling method, but I think that the the narration worked in that the subtle differences that you picked up looking at a, a period in time but with three different people's perspectives and how things changed and their perceptions of themselves changed, I think was one of the most uh, outstanding and notable things in the three different chapters of just... You know, you see the truth through one person's eyes and then, you know, you go to the next and, oh, well, that's what they said. And that, you know, it was interesting seeing those differences because they always say, you know, there's there's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, there's the truth. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay, with that out of the way, because it, it worked for me as well. So let's get into sort of just, just our general thoughts. Like what, what did you think of this movie now that you understand or you began to understand how it was told? Did it, what did you like? Did you like the movie? I did. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was going to be one thing and it was definitely another, but in a really pleasant way. Uh, and I won't go too much into detail about that, but uh, 
I think it's fair to say that the story was not who, about who you were thinking it was going to be about. Uh, I really liked the the trifecta of points of view, and uh, it was unique. I thought it was going to become tedious because I'm like, are we just going to watch the same, you know, 30 minutes right, 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 right. or 45 minutes over and try and spot the difference like you're in a children's book? But it was made pretty obvious, and I thought those different perspectives just gave so much light to the situation. Uh, it was wild. And um, it was a very interesting movie about a very different time in the world where, yeah, the the crime of rape was against a, a man. They, I think in the movie they called That's it wild. a wild. Pro- in the movie they called it a, yeah. pro- a property crime, which Something is like uh, that. outstanding. So that's just, <laughs> wow. Great, yeah. great job, guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, there was some really uncomfortable conversations had in in a somewhat of a courtroom, a bunch of men, and some super outdated science that yeah, we'll get into, yeah. I'm sure, in the danger zone. But it was a really fascinating look at a period of time, and it was a deep dive into, you know, ego and self worth and bitterness and revenge and malice and also. Um, your station in life and and how that's affected by the decisions you make to be silent or to not. I think it was, it was a complex movie and I would definitely recommend probably watching it again. I'm definitely going to watch this when it comes out at home. It deserves a rewatch. Uh, I liked it. The last act stressed me out. It Mm. took me a good like hour, hour and a half after finishing this movie to like, unclench a little bit because it was um, a very tense culmination to this movie Uh, overall I thought it was well done it was there was some some things I didn't like about it definitely had some problems namely Matt Damon's hair but other than that it was so distracting Um, (laughs) yeah I don't know if that mullet was historically accurate you know and there was some some issues with you know they're just deep in France and they have names like Jean de Carouge and then and, Matt Damon's just talking with a normal and it's, it's American just, accent. It just sounds like Matt Damon. I'm like, are we doing this thing again? Like the last wall or whatever, the great uh, the wall. wall. The, the wall. wall. It, yeah, whatever it's called with him in, in, in China. Yeah, where he's just, you know, Matt Damoning. And that got a little distracting. And that for me is probably one of the biggest negatives. There was just a lack of accents in general. But, you know, that's a conversation that'll be had later as far as, like, would this movie get made? Would they have the budget? Would the eyes be on it if they didn't have this cast? Or, I mean, Ridley Scott could probably make an indie film with no-name actors from yeah. France and still be successful. But having Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, really, and um, what's her name? Help me. I'd never uh, seen her I anything. will help you. I'll tell you right Jody, now. Jodie Comer? Very nice. Jodie Comer, yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic, by the way. Um, I, you know, I, let me double, I think we have seen her before. I'm going to double check, but yeah, yes. double check on that. So I, overall, I liked it. It was a very unique experience in storytelling. It was two and a half hours long and I never got bored and it never felt long. Um, and I think a lot of things worked for me. So I definitely am on the positive fence in this movie. Uh, what did you think? Jodie Comer was in free guy. She was his, um, she was Ryan Reynolds sort of crush. Okay. That really made me happy because I was trying to figure out who she was the whole time. Um, okay. Uh, I want to touch on a couple of things you said. I also want to just give a quick blanket statement warning. There's a couple of pretty tough rape scenes in this movie and a lot of intense gore, which if you've ever seen the trailer for this, I know we just played it, but if you've seen it, you kind of do expect, or at least I did, 
a lot of medieval sword stuff. And there yeah. is, how does the phrase, how to phrase this? There's a, it's very intense when it happens, but it doesn't happen all that often, which I think for me made it even more sort of jarring. Yeah. You just get these scenes where like horses get stabbed with lances and then, and that's just the, you know, the fighting stuff. There's people get stabbed through the eye and the head and shot with fire arrows. And like, this happens in quick moments. The, the, the timeline of this movie is very interesting, obviously because of the, the three act structure in and of itself, we do a lot of doubling back, but even some of the stuff during the normal narration jumps seemingly weeks at a time without any warning. So that was weird. Yeah. Um, okay. I didn't love this. I'm, I'm close to not liking it and I'm not totally sure why that is. I'm sure by the end of our discussion, I'll have a better reason or at least a better way of expressing how I'm feeling. But there were some some things that I like, and I'll talk about those here. I, I love a good, unreliable narrator, and this is kind of that because I, like you, wasn't aware that maybe the story would change given yeah. different perspectives, and then it very much does. There's a, a key scene in the first flashback we get where Matt Damon and Adam Driver's characters are at the front line of an army, and they charge down despite it being not the king's wishes and you get Matt Damon saying forget orders for the king and then he charges forward very heroically and that's not the way it goes down in in the next chapter and as that really keyed me in quickly to the flexibility of perspective mhm which is a really a really fun way of sus- not suspending but playing with the audience's expectations because this is kind of at its core maybe not a who done it and and not even quite like if it happened, because I think th- this sort of plays out like the oldest hashtag me too case maybe in history. Mm-hmm. So to some extent, and I think this is supported by the final chapter three slate that fades away and only leaves the words, the truth. We kind of know she definitely got raped probably by Adam driver's character. So it's a matter of how we get there as an audience to figuring that out and how it happened. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, like you mentioned accents, which of course I had a hard time with too, because we're in France and I guess kind of people are from different areas, but they're not like they're all in France in the 1300s. Like they didn't have trains, you know, they're not getting very far and nobody sounded the same. And that's fine. I guess I can suspend my disbelief on that, but something about the dialogue really didn't work for me. The way that people talk to each other, it just seemed, it seemed unrealistic in a movie that otherwise was very much based in realism, I think. Mm-hmm. Specifically for me, that any dialogue between Adam Driver and Ben Affleck. Yeah, we should probably talk about the Ben Affleck character in a minute here too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really did. When when we do, the chapters for what it's worth are, are Matt Damon's perspective, Adam Driver's, and then Jodie Comer's. And very much medieval, whatever you, what the vibe you think of is the medieval times that we get with Matt Damon. And then there's sort of a tone shift when we get Adam Drivers, it's much more in the city and fun. And uh, a big part of that is Ben Affleck. Like there's there's orgies and tons of drinking. And at one point, Ben Affleck's character says of Matt Damon, he's just no fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's true. He's a bummer. Um, what do you think of Ben Affleck in this? I think he was unlikable, but like in a way that was well acted. I think he was written to be unlikable. He was this sort of like medieval Hugh Hefner type character, which yeah, kind of, you know, that there was overlords that behaved that way. Um, it was interesting to see it flaunted about like it was, I mean, it was really just like in your face that this dude's like a level 57, like just maniac in like every yeah. way, uh, living to the extremes. 
but their dialogue was very just, I, like you said, it, it felt, you know, massively different shifts. It was almost like three separate short films because they were, had different tones in the, in the dialogue and, and the mood and everything. Yeah. We, you mentioned that this had a screenplay by three different people, including um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And let me see here. So I get this right, right here. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Nicole Holof Center. Is that what we're going with? Holof Center? Holof Center. All right. In any case, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon had this script first, which I think is the first time they've written a movie since Goodwill Hunting. And they knew that they wanted to tell it in these three different chapters from these three different perspectives. And they wrote basically the movie. I think chronologically. So they wrote the perspective of the two men first, and then they got to Marguerite's chapter. And that's when they reached out to Hall of Center about like, Hey, we think that you would tell this better than we possibly could, which I thought was a really great little stroke of genius for them. It's just bringing it. Cause if you're telling this totally different perspective, the one that happens to be from a female perspective, maybe, yeah, maybe get somebody on board that is potentially more likely to have experienced anything along these lines. Yeah, or at least have, you know, a female perspective on life. That would help. Yeah. Um, I want to I Matt Damon's character, Jean de Carouge, is is perhaps the most annoying, self-righteous, just blathering boy of a night I have ever seen in a movie. Yeah. He's just so just just wants everybody's attention and he's so pompous and he feels that he deserves so much more than it seems his actions would warrant so entitled and, and so poor me the whole I movie. know. And like, he's a good fighter. Yes. He's, he's bled for the King. He mentions that so much. Like we get it, dude, you've gone through a lot, but like maybe take it back a little bit and just like, let your actions speak louder than your super loud words. But it yeah. did make me think a bit of you know, this, the idea of, of night knighthood and honor, which of course made me start to think about the green Knight, which is the last time we've talked about this sort of thing. Um, I just, it made me hate Matt Damon's character even more. That's fair. Loser. Yeah, he really was. And you saw like, he was like the exemplification of pride and arrogance and entitlement. And then like Adam Driver's character in his chapter was like entitlement, but in a different way. And like, you know, he kind of had the silver spoon and was like, had the entitlement that um, Matt Damon's character wanted. And, but then it led to him having this whole other set of, of ego and different problems. Uh, And then you get to the third chapter and I don't know, I wanted a longer third chapter because I feel like this movie really could have and should have just been about Marguerite. You know, it's interesting you say that. I think for me, the, the chapter that caught my attention the most from at least from a narrative ethical perspective is Adam driver's character. And I do want to spend some time talking about that, but I'm worried it'll get into spoilers. So if you're okay with it, I said we rate this for now and then uh, we jump into the danger zone after that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and rate this. It's uh, feels like a seven one for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a six for me. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's got, it's got a lot of problems, I think, but we can talk about those more as we get into spoilers. You want to start taking us out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. The Last Duel is in theaters right now. If you get the chance to see it and have thoughts of your own, 
get a hold of us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Yeah, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com, for film reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for The Last Duel, a review of our second beer from Black Plague, plus the unpredictable and super exciting Hot and Bothered section, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. And to those of you already listening to the podcast, we'll be right back to talk spoilers in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. I'm not doing it this week. You can do a better job. Johnny, what is the Danger Zone? It's where we say stuff and spoil things and swear more because we're off KZFR. It's our time to shine now. Profanity-laced ranting about the very ends of movies. Which is Johnny's way of saying, we're no longer concerned if you haven't seen The Last Duel. We assume that you either have seen it or you don't care if we spoil it. So final spoiler alert, The Last Duel. Spoilers coming at you. I left off by saying I find by far and away the most interesting chapter is that told through the eyes of Adam Driver's character. Uh-huh. Now, the reason I think that is basically that by the time we get to chapter three, and it's so clearly him raping her, that it loses any sort of ethical gray area. And I yeah. think that the, the trick that Adam Driver has to play as an actor is to, like, is to convince us and maybe trick us into thinking he didn't think he was raping her. Right. And I think that's probably the more interesting debate to have here is like, that's kind of where I kick it up, where I want to kick it off. Do you think in his dying breath, he said on my soul being damned, I did, it wasn't rape. Is that how he felt? Do you think? Hmm. Yeah, maybe in his fucked up perspective. I, I love, there's a line he says to, to Ben Affleck's character when he's sort of confessing to him. And he says of, of Marguerite, he says she made, oh, I think he's, it wasn't traditional. It was something like that. He goes, she made the traditional protests, but she didn't actually tell me not to. Right. Which has so much historical baggage in it. You're just like, that's a, you guys have like, you know, or at least you have a framework for what you think women are saying when they're saying no, when they mean yes, but they're saying that kind of shit. Like, yeah, I think he probably didn't think he was raping her. Yeah. Which is like, what is, what do you think raping somebody is then? Especially when you, fa- I don't know, it's wild. So I think that's like, he really, he died thinking he was kind of honorable, I guess. That's my, my take on it at least. Yeah. Like his biggest crime was adultery, not rape, which is so fucked up. And there's a lot of that in this movie though, is like showcasing how fucked up the times were, you know, like when they were all that talk of, you know, if you don't, enjoy what you won't have a baby like if you don't oh yeah you know i mean all that gross weird like outdated thinking you know well it's not outdated i mean at the time right like that's that's right i guess yeah that's what i'm saying but like it's just exemplifying how different the times were then and how little women mattered let's be real you know yeah you ever heard the phrase little death before yeah i never heard that all right. Um, you know, something else that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about the, no pun intended, about the dialogue uh, is that when it got, when it switched over to Adam Driver's character, it seemed to even modernize more than it had been. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess at, the, at that point, the only modern parts of the dialogue were the accents, kind of. But they started throwing in a lot of the use of the word fucking, mm-hmm. like as an adjective. Yeah. And it just felt super casual and and out of place with the rest of the time that the movie was set in. Yeah, it really did. It's um, like there were a couple of, of, of frat bros hanging out, like, and took like, off maybe your fucking pants. Maybe that's the point, I guess. Yeah, like, I don't know, some of that was weird, but it was supposed to be weird, I guess. Although, would it have been weird from Adam Driver's perspective? Shouldn't that have felt a little bit more, I don't know, macho and cool? It's It felt gross. Yeah. And maybe that was the intention, but it definitely did feel gross, you know? The the three chapters felt so different. Uh, at some point, I kind of realized that this movie, I mean, the end of it felt, you know, it was obviously focused on Marguerite's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got the impression during that third perspective, which was hers, that like maybe this whole movie was kind of about her and about women in this sure. universe in some yeah. way. And I think that is a more redeeming way to look at this movie. I think that would give it, a wee bit more value and as a narration for, you know, the way women were treated because it, you know, at the end of the movie, it was, uh, well, we probably jumping around towards the very end, but, um, yeah, it was clearly exemplified that like she went on to live a happy life. So like, was this whole movie just about her? And then for sure. Yeah, for sure. But then her, her act was the shortest. I would have liked to have seen a longer third act and maybe a, a shorter, first and second with a little bit more skipping through time instead of going through so much, but maybe, maybe I'm reaching here, but I would, I would say that if you had to put a reason behind the fact that the men's chapters were longer, it could be a metaphor for how much influence they have over her and how her life isn't really in her control. It's really the actions of these dudes, or it could be the fact just from a cinematic perspective that we only need to see those events that happened so much. There's a couple of key moments that I think Mm -hmm. they drag out in the third chapter, but mm-hmm. for the most part, we kind of know sort of what happens. And a lot of that early stuff is between the two men. So yeah. I, I was kind of okay with that. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I just thought she was an interesting character, and she's a really good actress. I I just kind of wanted to see more of her story. Yeah, I get that too. Uh, yeah, man, there was hey, – Matt Damon was a bummer. Not as an actor, as a character. The character what was, was? – Just Jean de Carouge. Carouge. Mm-hmm. Just – ugh. Yeah, and – you know, I kind of got that perspective or that that impression when he came back and he told his wife that he confronted Adam Driver and Matt Damon's character or Matt Ben Affleck's characters, mm-hmm. and he said, "I spoke my mind, but I I spoke well." And I was like, in my brain, I was like, "No, I don't think you did. You I'm pretty did. sure you threw a fit, you yeah. tiny baby man." Yeah, you threw With a bad hair. Oh, I yeah. hated his hair so much. Man, there was a like a I think he was a priest maybe or or a monk of some kind that was sort of splashing them with holy water. Mm-hmm. I can't think of who them is right now. I think it was during their wedding. It was Matt Damon and, and Jodie Comer's characters. Yeah, it was their wedding night. He had they were a about terrible to get into bed. haircut. Yeah, and it looked just like a tiny little Lego helmet, slicked down. It was gross. It was up there with the worst haircuts in this movie. And there were several. Marguerite's hair was great in yeah. almost every scene. She had wonderful hair and great mm-hmm. outfits, by the way. Everybody else, the armor was cool, I guess, but her outfits were dope. Yeah, I agree. So, you want to talk about the duel? I you might as well. Yeah, we should probably get there. Uh, what? How do you feel about you know the movie starting with the duel and then cutting away that whole thing? Well, it's called the last duel, and it's in all the trailers. So it wasn't like 
there was no mystery as to whether this duel was going to happen or not. Right, right. So I, it wasn't bothered by that because we go in knowing it's going to happen. It's a matter of how do we get from A to B. Yeah, I, and I guess that's that's fair. They do sort of give you that. It's not like they're trying to hide whether or not there is the duel, but the, the question is who's going to win, obviously. Yeah, um, it's kind of bullshit if they call the movie The Last Duel and there's no duel. Yeah, right. I almost thought... I don't know why I thought this, but I thought Ridley Scott might have just cut away at that jousting hit again, like he did in the beginning at the end, and just kind of jumped to the end. But I'm glad, I'm glad we got an actual duel. You know, I kind of wanted to see some of that. Sure. Yeah, uh, that was pretty crazy. How Matt Damon just didn't mention until like, you know, the like right before the real duel dick move that because uh, she's pushing for the duel the whole time. You yeah. know, kind of, because... She's like, what's Matt, the worst that's going to happen? My husband dies? Good. The guy that raped me dies? Great. Yeah, asterisk. Yeah. If your husband loses, <laughs> we're going to cut all your hair off and burn you slowly at the stake. And they make a point to say that it could take up to 30 minutes for you to die. Which I call bullshit on. Like, you're not lighting me on fire, and I'm not staying alive for 30 minutes. I not a know. chance. I mean, that's why they cut all your hair off, so it doesn't just go right to your head. You figure if they start a fire and it just starts at your feet, like... Oh, maybe, huh? You know what I mean? I'm not... It doesn't take much convincing for me to think that that would be accurate. I mean, they were really good at torturing people back in that time, so I'm going to go ahead and just default to believing that. Okay, I think that's fair, even though it doesn't make me happy. Can I close one more loop I started earlier? Do it. I told you, I told everyone, this was not the last duel. So already poorly named. The last duel actually happened in 1547 at a place called the Castle of St. Germain in Ley. It was this dude, uh, Guy Chabot against, uh, Guy Chabot de Har- I wonder where is this guy from? I'm going to say Guy Chabot de Jarnac, even though I think that's probably wrong. And he dueled a guy named Francois de Vivant. And that was a request from Jarnac to King Henry VII at the time to duel to regain his honor. So a couple hundred years later was the last duel. So what the hell? Yeah, but that one didn't have the storyline. That's true. I guess that's a good point. How, it should have been called like the last parentheses. Interesting. Unparentheses. Duel. Yeah, exactly. The last duel with a good subtext. Yeah. Um, 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 I was relieved that the... there's Look, I went to a 1240 showing on a Tuesday. I don't know what I expected. I was the youngest person in there by a good, I'd say at least 20 years. I'm almost 30. Nobody in there was younger than 50, for sure. Most people were like 70 plus. Damn. And it's fine. It's sort of par for the course. Like, the people talk to each other, I guess. And, and when you get older, your hearing goes a little bit. So you sort of lose the ability to whisper, I guess. So I sort of, in addition to the narration of, not the narration, but, you know, the, the laying out of the timeline, hearing that happen three different times, basically double. Because the people three seats down from me just couldn't help themselves. They were just just talking about everything that was happening on screen, trying to predict it about two seconds beforehand. And the only relief I got was when something gory or rapey would happen. And Adam Driver's death scene is very gory. And yeah. all they said for about two minutes, which is the longest strip of silence I had in this whole two and a half hour movie, was <gasps> as he got stabbed through the mouth. And I just sat there smiling, which was a very psychotic way to look during that scene. <laughs> but I did. And I just grinned and I shoved some popcorn in my face and I side-eyed them. Like, yes, this is a movie. And then, of course, three rows down, there's a, a, an even older gentleman being like, oh, I think he's dead. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Of course, I didn't say anything this whole time because I don't. But my God, 
it was long. Sounds like that's a terrible two and a half hours. I try not to care, you know, but I'm also just sort of justifying it after the fact, like, you know what? I'm just a better person. I'm able to sit back and let people enjoy their movie. And if they want to chat a little bit, that's fine. That's how I justify it after the movie. In the movie, I'm just like, what am I going to say? I'm going to say something. When's a good time to say it? When are they being loud enough? Is it now? I missed my opportunity. I'll just wait. And I just stew. And then I just, I just think badly of myself for not saying something. And then it just spirals. Then I should eat more popcorn. Yeah. And then it's distracting from the movie. That's my right, biggest right, thing. Right, right, Like the moment where I'm like, I can't even focus on what's happening. Yeah. Shush. Yeah. That's when the shush happens because it's like, I'm here for this, not for you. Yeah, I actually thought of my new best strategy. In, in the past, if you guys haven't heard us talk about this before, my strategy is this. I And this is only theoretical. It's literally, I've never done it once. Even though I stand by the fact that you should be able to lean over to somebody and say, excuse me, you're being a little bit loud. Would you mind keeping it down so I can enjoy the movie? And then if they don't do it, you lean over again and say, I've brought a water bottle, and if you don't stop talking, I'm going to spray you with it. That, of course, I would probably never do, but I'd really love to. But my new theory is I'm just going to go to movies with you all the time, and then I'm going to say the first thing. I'm going to say, hey, could you please keep it down? You're being distracted. I'd like to watch a movie. And then if they don't, I'm going to lean over again, and I'm going to say, hey, if you don't keep it down, I'm going to have my friend over here ask you. And then they're going to see you, Mm -hmm. and then they'll be quiet. That's a great plan. I think so, too, because you don't have to tip your hand that you're actually a friendly, gruff-looking fella. Right. It's perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's so frustrating. I have such a short fuse for that. Like I shut up <laughs> just as much as you. Uh, and in situations like that, I've actually uh, injected myself into their conversations just to I let them that. know that we can all hear them. Yeah. Um, yep. And that usually gets the point across because especially my answers are usually pretty salty and sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, oh, yeah, you know, we can all hear you. Like, you're five rows away from me, and I know what you're having for dinner after this. Shut up. Yeah, right. Um. Okay, that's enough. I'm fine. I vented. That was good. Thank you. It, yeah. was, it was the most chatting I've had in a theater for a while, and it, was just, it seemed that it was all around me, and it just kind of made it extra irritating. But I'm over it now, and I'm ready for a beer if you are. Yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> In summation, yeah. Adam Driver got stabbed in the mouth. Okay, sure. I guess I wanted to touch a little bit on the duel. It was okay. <laughs> we just didn't talk about it. I was like, sure, yeah. let's talk about it. And then let me just uh, <laughs> complain for seven minutes. And then not discuss the duel. It starts it, with a joust. It starts with a joust. Okay. Like what? They each got like three lances. I th- it seemed to me that those were like just sort of sort of an unending supply until somebody falls i guess i didn't really know it's not like a tournament it's not like every time you line up and go again it's like you just keep running back and forth and hope your squires can give you a lance and then if the guy runs into a wall you charge at the wall it's there's chinatown in there there's no rules no it went from okay we're jousting to all out mayhem like real quick which i thought was pretty cool it added a level of just grimy filthy fight to the death with sharp objects in an arena like You've seen this type of thing portrayed before in gladiator movies and, sure. in, you know, certain Ridley Scott. I, yeah, exactly. But it didn't have this level of just grittiness and yep. the, te- the tension because these dudes beat the shit out of each other. And yeah. like, I think for sure that Matt Damon should have probably bled out and lost because it looked yeah. to me like he got his femoral, femoral artery. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. If not, that was just a lot of blood. And he just kind of walked it off and then rode his horse home. What do you think would have happened if they both died to her? What do you think would have happened with her? She gets both their land. I think she gets I think she gets tortured and burned. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's what should happen, just to be clear. No. Okay. <laughs> but I think like there's I don't think there's any scenario as property that she gets off even kind of okay if they're both dead. I think giddy giddy child king is like god god thinks you're the worst you're now going to be my court jester and will torture you every day yeah something that like that it wouldn't from, have been great yeah. that kid was from uh, an episode of black mirror which okay i can't think of the name of right now but it was pretty it was it was a mid-tier black mirror one mid-tier black mirror it's fine yeah so the duel was cool i mean it would have really sucked if she got burned alive that would have really been a, i you know at that point, I'm like, well, this is going to go one of two ways. It's going to go right. bad or worse. Yes. I thought like, it was going to go that way. For, I did too. For a while there. I was like, because this guy at this point, Matt Damon, you're just like, he's he sucks. Like yeah. his sort of one redeeming thing. And the only thing that might have given him a chance in this fight is that everyone's just constantly talking about, yeah, he's a hothead, but don't underestimate him in battle. Like he seems mm-hmm. to be into fighting. So I was like, all right, maybe you're okay. But I could have easily seen this movie taking the turn where he just died. Like in the first joust dead and then yeah. they don't spend any time and there's like burner and then that's the lesson i guess is that women just have it rough yeah which would have sucked i mean it's accurate but like right. for a movie that would have been such a sad payoff i'd have been really yeah. bummed like, yes man that's terrible in the end though it, it had us rooting for this character that personally i didn't really enjoy sounds like you didn't either but he's like the lesser of two shitty evils and it's like it's the only way that she's going to have a life because she's got a kid now. Like, right, right. Ah, man, it was just, yeah. And like, you're happy that he won just because she's going to live, but you're not stoked that he won because he gets to be the embodiment of a pompous asshole now. You know, not just that. I think something I hadn't really thought of too much, except for in the moment when it happened, is that the moment after, and this is in her retelling, her the, the, the truth is that he finds out she was raped. And, and within, you know, 45 seconds of learning this, he's getting his pants undone. He's like, come over here. I'm not going to let him be the last guy that had you. So in some sense, I think her fate, had he not died later, is to go home to another guy that just raped her, except everyone's cool with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know why I was rooting for him. I guess I guess because maybe she'd have a chance. She wouldn't get burned alive. She'd yeah. just get raped a lot, which mm-hmm. I don't know. That's That's a tough choice, I would imagine. Yeah. Not good. Women no. did definitely had it worse then. I don't think you can burn people alive anymore. But people get away with a lot of shit these days. I don't know. That's it was a depressing movie in a lot of ways, man. Yeah, it really was. It was not a feel good, uplifting time. I like that there was the little segue towards the end or to the end yep. where it says that Matt Damon died in the crusade several years later. It was nice. she, yeah. She lived happily ever after, never remarried. Yeah, that final tag Shocking. she never was like, yeah, good, good for you. Although I don't know how. I guess I guess if you're a widow, you probably inherit your your dead husband's lands. I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, and from the act three, we saw that she ran his house way better than he did. So that was a nice moment. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Was nice. Like I liked the stuff with the ox and the horses. That was cool. That dude, the stable master, was tight. Yeah, cool he dude. Was a real one. Okay. Oh, last thing I wanted to shout out is is I should have said this when you were talking about the combat in the duel, the combat itself, but. Yeah, a lot of especially sort of medieval or, or like fantasy movies that are dressed up as medieval stuff, with the exception of like later Game of Thrones, because I think they also did this well, but is is sort of the desperation and brutality of what fighting was probably like. Mm-hmm. In one of those first fights, you see somebody drop a sword, and I think Matt Damon's character picks it up by the blade and like bashes somebody in the face with the hilt. 
Yeah. Like, that probably happens all the time. At one point, he picks up a piece of chain mail, wraps it around his hand, and just pummels their face. Like, that stuff is probably more like what it was. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just, it wasn't romanticized, yeah. you know, no. one-on-one duels. It was dirty and nasty. And, like, yeah. you pull a knife out of your boot and stab somebody in the groin if you have to. Like, just, yeah, yeah for sure. Way grittier than what you've seen in other movies. Like, you know, my bar for that sort of thing is probably, like, Braveheart. Braveheart, that was, yeah. There was a bit of that, but for the most part, that movie was super romanticized and it's fighting and it's just. Oh, I don't think that's true. Braveheart? I mean, there wasn't. I mean, there was a lot of like legs getting chopped off and stuff, but I remember there being a lot of just like one on one fights. Yeah, okay, that's true. I read somewhere in eight, I think I learned this in eighth grade. I don't know how I know that. I think my history teacher told us um, the average medieval fight i think it was a medieval fight the average fight lasted on average the average fight lasted on average three to four parries which Jesus. is nerd and fight for blocks which means you yeah. hit somebody's sword between two and four times and then one of you's dead probably wow which is not what you see in movies i would be way less inclined to go join the army if someone told me that yeah they're like no you'll have an amazing fight like in the you know the princess bride or something you can jump around on rocks and what do you call it fence people that's yeah. not what fighting is, I don't think. No, we're going to give you a big, heavy sword. Just good luck. And you you might get three swings in. Right. And like, that's, can you imagine being a little farmhand and your, your dad and mom are like, we need money for our wheat farm. Go fight for the king. And you're like, who's the king? And they're like, we don't know. We've never seen the guy. They're like, here, take this fucking pitchfork. Good luck. And then you're dead. You're just dead immediately. Yeah. What well, a I'm terrible be- time to be alive. Yeah. It wasn't a very pleasant, pleasant existence. Plus the plague sure. is going on. Yeah. God st- damn. Stay at home, die of the plague. Go away, get three swings in. Maybe you'll live. What color was the plague again? Black. Okay. Oh, whoa. What a crazy tie-in. Can we drink another beer? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm done talking about this movie. It's bumming me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the upside of the Black Plague, which is, of course, uh, coming back to our brewery of the week, Black Plague Brewing out of Oceanside. No one's ever said. <laughs> you know, the upside. Yeah, the real positives to the Black the plague, plague here. Is this beer, hopefully, it's called Nyjah. It's a hazy IPA. It's 7%. Little mellow 30 IBUs. Johnny, read me from their website, please, about this beer. Yeah, from Black Plague. We teamed up with skateboarding prodigy, prodigy Nyjah Houston to create a bold, flavorful, hazy IPA that exemplifies his devotion to becoming the best. This hazy IPA is dry hopped with massive additions of Nelson and Simcoe Cryo, creating extreme tropical aromas of passion fruit, peach, stone fruit, and gooseberry with intense flavors of papaya, ripe apricot, and traces of melon and citrus. Nyjah's laser focus on perfecting his skating is matched only by or is matched by our dedication to crafting this incredibly delicious beer. Uh, Nyjah Houston is the skateboarder's name, if you're curious. I've been watching him since he was You're like sticking 50. with Houston? Yeah. Oh, man, I felt so good that I got to correct you because it's spelled H-U-S-T-O-N. No, I've been watching that kid skate since he was like 15 with his really long-ass dreads. He's been on the X Games a bunch. He's a really good skateboarder. I just watched him in the Olympics this last, what, two months ago, a month ago? Yeah, I was going to ask because it's when I maybe this is just me, but when I hear the word prodigy, I do think younger person. And then I was like, hmm, prodigy, what's this person got in the business of beer making? But I assume that person is no longer 15. What do you mean? They're talking about the skateboarder being a prodigy. 
No, I know. So when I hear we teamed up with a skateboarding prodigy, Nigel Huston, I was like, are you teaming up with like a 12 year old to make this beer? I just think <laughs> I mean, like a prodigy is like a, a young up and coming, like a, like a, a savant, a, 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 a wunderkind kind of thing. Right. But I assume Nigel is now of drinking age. Otherwise this would be weird. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. The, of course he is. We're going to say, of course he is. Yeah. It'd be weird to collaborate as a brewery with a minor. Yeah. Let's, let's just go with the is. Cool. If it's not, I'll edit all that out. <laughs> uh, what are the hops in this beer, dude? So we're looking at Nelson, Simcoe, Simcoe, Cryo, and Citra. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard, standard lineup. Uh, fans of our podcast, fans that give us money, aka our people on Patreon, will know that today we also drank a hazy IPA before recording the episode for our bonus content. It was a bonus beer review, excuse me, from Moonraker, and that makes this our second hazy IPA of the day. Now, I will say, Johnny, you, relatively speaking, enjoyed that beer from Moonraker, which is not often your experience with hazy IPAs. And I'm wondering, what are the odds we get a second hazy IPA today that you also like? Have you tried this one yet? I have. I think it's it's interesting. I don't know if I like it yet. I need to go back in for another drink. It's, okay. I have, have poured mine into my glass. Yeah, and it looks like a pretty standard IPA. I sometimes feel a standard hazy IPA. I sort of feel dumb sometimes when I try to over-explain what, what a New England IPA looks like because to some extent, a lot of these adjectives start to run together and they just all sound the same. But I will say, aside from sort of the traditional trademarks of a hazy IPA, it's obviously a bit opaque, and it is, I'm going to say, you know, kind of like a dark yellow in color, not quite an orangey sort of thing. I've got very little head that stuck around, but what is left is like some really small bubbles, and it smells, if I may, ve yeah, very traditionally, like a very sweet uh, citrus forward with some hops in there kind of IPA. I think that's a fair description. It's entirely more bitter than I thought it was going to be, which for me, big positive. Uh, immediately on the first drink, it's it's punchy with the bitterness and it's dry, so much drier than I expected. Yeah, I was looking forward to this beer because my mouth was getting a little bit dry reading the description, <laughs> yeah. uh, and this did not help at all. This is making my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth like crazy. Uh, I, were you expecting it to be this dry? Cause I was expecting a little bit of juice and maybe some mouthwatering type situation. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have that. I wasn't expecting quite, yeah, quite such a dry finish, but I also wasn't expecting a juice bomb either necessarily just based on the smell, but it is, it's, it's definitely more up your alley than mine. As far as hazy IPAs go, I think. Mm -hmm. I think it's you're good. Right. It's good. I enjoy it. The, the tropical stuff jumps out on the taste more than I expected, uh, particularly the the passion fruit peach kind of stuff they were mentioning. Um, I, I enjoy it enough on a first drink. Yeah, I think it's it's fine. It's definitely not my favorite. It's kind of a little one dimensional. It's mm -hmm. it's bitter and dry with like a splash of peach juice, but still, it's not. It's, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. This is a beer that needs a little bit more sweetness. Oh like, no, who are you? I don't know, man. If you're going to do this style, do it. Like this almost just tastes like an unfiltered IPA. Well, um, it's also worth noting, and I, I believe I copied this from their website. They listed it as a hazy IPA, not a New England IPA. And we've, we've run into this recently in the past, I'd guess maybe a year or so, where there are some distinctions being made, if not if not right in front of us, I have noticed sometimes when it doesn't say New England, it, it might be because they're trying to say something like a Northwestern IPA, which is what I keep forgetting who did that a few weeks ago on the show. But we had a Northwestern IPA, which 
was sort of like a combination of a New England and a traditional West Coast oh, in that, was that a, it was super bitter and unfiltered and sweet. Yeah, that was a Pacific Northwest IPA. Thank you. That's what I meant. And not not sweet and bitter. It was bitter and unfiltered. Yeah, and that was a, from sort of the, bigger body. The German brewery, uh, German name. Not family. Not Radeberger. No, uh, it was from, I want to say, Portland. When It's one of the ones I brought back from Belmont. And yeah, the, the Portland, name like, of the brewery was around. like the guy's last name. Oh, well, you can find out if you want. I don't remember that. It's fine. Uh, somebody go back and find out for Sure. Us. If you're it, interested, it go matter. listen to more of our show. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, that this is not trying to be the big New England. And if it's just a hazy IPA, an IPA that has haze, it's that. It's definitely bitter. Definitely more IPA than hazy. Which yeah, totally. makes which makes me like it more. Just falls into line with my preference. But definitely more more West Coast than hazy. You mean, yeah? Oh, that's tough. I mean, probably, yeah. I, I'm just saying because you know you're saying more IPA than a hazy, but a hazy is an IPA. So you're saying more of like a hop forward Western West Coast IPA than a New England IPA. Yeah, more bitter than sweet. And as it's warming up just a little bit in my glass, some of the sweetness and the fruit notes are coming out a little bit. So. This one might be a little bit better, like 10 degrees warmer. That seems weird. That seems like a weird um, move to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty good how it is. I don't necessarily need that extra sweetness. I think, I, and I don't, I don't think it's so terribly bitter either. It, it does feel more bitter than 30 IBUs to me, but not by much. I think it's just because of that mouthfeel too, though. Like it can be 30 IBUs, but if it's that dry, it's going to just amplify that, I think. Yeah, it's probably true. So you would say you just barely like this, I'm guessing? Yeah, this is, it's it's medium. All right, I'm going to take another drink. Take another drink. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, I'm not in love with it. I like the first beer better, that's for sure. I think this is a solid offering from them. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of risks. It's just... It's, it's just not outstanding. It's really middle-of-the-road, hazy IPA for me. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit there too. Maybe slightly above you, but let's give Nigel a rating for now. And uh, if you got any more thoughts afterwards, I guess we can go to those two. But I think I'm ready to rate it. I don't think I have any more thoughts. This feels like a six two, six flat for me, six point two for you. Again, that's Nigel. If you guys get a chance to try it, um, let us know. Obviously, you heard all the stuff at the beginning of the show. You got anything else before we move into hot and bothered? Uh, I do not. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. It is the portion of Fresh Hop Cinema where Johnny and I veer off the smoothly paved road of film and beer and veer into the shoulders. And we talk about things that have got us really excited or a little bit bummed out. We've dubbed that the very catchy name, Hot and Bothered. Johnny Summers, I'm throwing to you first. Does anything have you bothered this week? Hmm. Not really. I'm having a pretty good week. Okay, well then what's making your week so good? Uh, well, I had a good weekend, took the weekend off. We were supposed to go out of town and actually see our movie for next week for our Halloween episode, uh, at a cool theater in Rockland and do some stuff. And this last weekend was our last weekend in Chico before we're out of town for a little bit. So decided to kick it at home and have kind of a chill recharge the batteries weekend. So that was nice. Well, that's that. great. Yeah, yeah. You knew, did you watch the movie at home? Yes. Because it's on, is it HBO Max? No, it's on Peacock. Oh, that's right. And that's Halloween Kills. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, watch that this weekend and prep for our Halloween episode next week. And uh, 
since we didn't go to the movies, we had made like a little date night out of it. And uh, we went to Sierra Market and picked out concessions and like got nice. curled up on the couch with the blanket and like had all of our snacks and drinks and just made like a thing out of it. It was pretty fun. Nice, dude. Well, that sounds like a blast. I'm glad you guys did it. How was, can you give me like a little, little uh, nugget of a review for that movie? Was it good? Are you excited to talk about it? I am or looking maybe, forward to, to say anything. <laughs> I am looking forward to hearing you talk about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the original. This is another Patreon plug, I guess, but I've never seen the original Halloween. So, or, and there's like a bunch of movies that have been made since that in the 80s, but I'm going to watch the original Halloween. Then we are going to review that on 78. That's, oh, damn, it's that old. Yep. Jeez. All right. I'm going to watch that. We're going to review that on Patreon. And I'm going to watch that before I see the new one, which we okay. will then review on our full episode. But my thing is like people love the original Halloween. Clearly, they've yeah. made a huge franchise from it. Um, and I can't imagine this new one's going to hold up to that kind of fandom so maybe it's just too young for that but i'd be willing to bet it's not as good because these things never are in my experience it wasn't bad like i said i'm almost as excited to talk about it as i am to hear you talk about it because sweet this is like the opposite of up your alley so it should be fun how many of them have you seen oh probably all of them okay because I'd be really curious to see a list on your letterbox of your rankings of all of them. Oh, God. Not going to do that. Don't remember them enough. Had to, would have to rewatch all of them. Uh, Don't have the time. Right. Not going to do it. We're Nope. Not happening. Okay. Well, by next week, I'd like to know. Well, I guess that, it wouldn't work. You couldn't even tell me your favorite, I guess. Could you? I could probably tell you my favorite. Yeah. Could you tell me that now? No. Fine. All right. But next week, I would like to hear what your favorite of the Halloween films are. We could probably figure <laughs> Quit out Quit promoing notes. the next episode, man. Why? It's the this next thing I'm bothered. <laughs> Uh, it's this is what happens when I don't have anything written for Hot and Bothered for me, and I just see what's next on the notes. Okay, fair enough. Do you have so anything else for Hot? And um, well, have you caught up on Ted Lasso yet? That's something that's happening in both of our lives. I just spoilers for Ted Lasso season two up through episode ten. Okay, here's your spoiler alert. Skip forward thirty seconds if you don't want to hear it. I just finished the funeral episode. Okay, uh, so that's where I'm at. So no, I haven't finished it, but that was great. All right, you got two to go. Yeah. Um. And it was a great episode. I think you mentioned that one being a pretty good one too. Yeah. Yeah. That Rick roll at the funeral. Oh my God. Dude, I've never considered playing that song, but now I am. That'd be so dope. I figured it out. Um, I figured it out earlier. Kind of. Uh, I, I guess like I, that. Well, I guess I won't play it now, but I did work it out a little bit. And I think it's like uh-huh. a really emotional, good song. And especially in the context of the scene that it gets sung in. I was like, yeah, this is great. Totally. So no, I didn't finish that. All right. Do you got anything hot and or bothered besides just playing music like 24 7, 365? No, that's it. And it's more like, it's more like, you know, 13, 6, 238. But, you know, had three or four shows this weekend. I can't remember. Played one in, um, in Camino, which is just outside of Placerville at a winery. Brought like six bottles of wine home, drank those on a Sunday night. A lot of them drank. Yeah. Not all myself, but yes, I probably had at least, I don't like to brag about this sort of thing, but like a bottle and a half, maybe two. It's hard to say. Um, Two bottles of wine is like a standard night. Didn't feel great the next day. I will tell you that. Um, But the wine was delish. So delicious that we could not stop drinking it. And I'm going to blame that on the wine and not myself. So that's fair. That was good. Uh, So shout out to Chateau de Velle where I played and then they make great wine. So if you like wine and you like, you know, supporting wineries, check them out. They're great. Fair enough. That's it for me. I'm almost positive. I played at the Red Tavern on Monday, and I played electric only. I only took my electric guitar. Ooh. And that was fun and challenging, because a lot of the songs that I play are sort of, 
I've arranged them over the years for acoustic, like a lot of strumming and sort of, you know, I've sort of geared towards more of like that kind of music. So, uh, pulling out the electric was yeah, challenging and, but a, a really fun challenge. And it was nice to sort of flex a different area of my brain muscles to, to facilitate the performance of songs that otherwise would be played differently. Was that a choice that you made just because you've been playing so many gigs you needed to like mix it up a little bit? Let's go with that. And then between you and I, it was that I could do a smaller setup and I didn't really feel like packing up all my stuff. And I had just changed my electric strings. And I was like, you know what I could do with, because you have to be a little bit more creative, I think, because I was doing a lot less looping than usual. So I was free to do a little bit more creative stuff with my hands. Yeah, a little bit more fun for you. Yeah. Um, I did find a little noise in my backup pedal board, which is a small one that I got to figure out now that, now that I think about it, but that'll be a fun project. I love stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> very lastly, I changed out two things on my moped, which were the speedometer cable, which broke, which I didn't know was a thing. And then I changed out the spark plug and it's running better than ever. So still caping hard for mopeds. If anyone's considering getting one and like kind of on the fence, get one. They're dope. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all you I can got. be in a moped gang with Max. I just want to start a gang. That's it. Please, someone just buy a moped. They're like, you have like twelve hundred bucks. Just, just do it. Just do it. All right. Well, Christmas is coming. Buy me a moped. I won't not consider that. <laughs> As usual, this episode is brought to you again. Wouldn't be possible without the support of Bailey Minority. Of course, all of our friends and family on Patreon. Thanks to the Handlebar for your support. Love it, Johnny. Got anything else this week? Are we ready to get out of here? Uh, just watch Halloween kills on Peacock in preparation for our Halloween episode, which will be featuring beers from Moxa brewing. So nice. get that under your belt. Watch Halloween kills. Ooh, get spooky. Ooh. Can beers from Moxa be bought in town or, or no? No. All right. Well, Moxa is not very far away and you've got, you know, a week and a half to two weeks to get your hands on them. So do that. Do you remember what they are? Nope. Cool. We'll get some Moxa. I know there are ones in IPA. I know that for a fact. Scatterglow. One's called Scatterglow. Scattered Sweet. glow. Something yeah, like I that. just bought them today. I don't even remember what they are. All right. Well, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Be good to each other. Drink movies and watch beer. We love you. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.